0: What's cranking? It's your homie, little mystery. You are now listening to the Emo Brown Podcast, the downest fool in Chula Vista since AC Slater, homie. You're listening to Magrito Podcast Network, celebrating the culture of Chicano's and Latinos, one story and voice at a time. Connect on social on Instagram and Facebook at Magrito. Find all the Magrito Podcast Network shows over at Magrito.net. Ladies and gentlemen and low Thank you for checking in to another episode of Emo Brown The podcast brought to you by the wonderful people at Grasshopper For your medicinal, recreational Can, It feels weird reading this in front of you, Lieutenant Oyos. Don't forget to drop your car to get 15% off If it don't clack, you know that shit's whack In the studio with us today is the highest ranking Mexican in the Chula Vista Police Department Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Hoyos, bro Look at you, man it's nice, it's nice to have you in here again. Do you like the studio? Are you pleasant? Does everything feel okay here for you?
1: Yeah, this is nice. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I like the
0: artwork. i slowly making it a home. <laughs> slowly. Slowly is the way to go. As we've mentioned in the past, my main objective of whenever I have you on the episode is like a quarterly visit. A quarterly visit with one of our officers at law here in Chula Vista, giving us a little update on what's going on. First off, Give me a little background about yourself, Mr. Oils. Lieutenant Oils, I got to put some respect on it. I feel like we've been here before. Hell yeah. And you know what? New listeners, every day, every week, every month, every quarter, I see you worried in the Jays. Oh my God, you're over here just dropping dick. Things must be going really good. Scotty Cameron putters, Jordans, look at you.
1: I've got an addiction.
0: (laughs) It's a problem. Uh, No,
1: I uh just... Past January, celebrated my 21st year. Chula 21? Vista years, yeah,
0: nice. Is that the, how does that rank on the tenured list in Chula Vista? Um,
1: you know, I'm one of the old guys now.
0: Are you really? Yeah. I could have told you that. Yeah. Without even knowing how long you've worked there, uh, I could have said, "Yep." It came quick. I don't feel like one of the old guys, but
1: when I look around, yeah, we're we're very young department. Good or bad? Uh, it's good. Mm? Yeah. I think uh, I, I think everyone, uh, not just law enforcement, but I think all the professions are kind of going through that right now. Uh, COVID changed how people think about work and working from home and uh it's it's weird the the workforce is uh it's very young it's very inexperienced right now but that's good for the future
0: is there a buddy system like do, do the youngsters get like teamed up with a veteran or anything or so
1: uh our newer officers get assigned a mentor uh someone who uh has you know Done, done really well for themselves, someone who wants to help uh, mentor and guide our young officers. They give, you know, they're assigned a training officer when they're new and get through training, but uh, their mentors, um, yeah. you know, I have uh, a good friend of mine who I was his mentor in the academy, and, and to this day, we're really good friends still. So, yeah. It's a good program. You made a friend. I did. I did. It was forced on him.
0: So. <laughs> what is your current role in the Chula Vista Police Department? You're always getting promotions and, and new titles and fancy new badges. What, what does it read this week?
1: Yeah, this week uh, I'm the Criminal Investigations Division Lieutenant. So I oversee uh, our Family Protection Unit, our Crimes of Violence Homicide Unit, and our Property Crime Unit. Staying busy. 21 years
0: of doing this, is it get a little overwhelming for you?
1: No, I think uh, you know. There's uh, you know certain things and uh, societal issues that that come up that that change how we do our job or that change how people view our job. Um, in 21 years, it, it's like a roller coaster. It goes up and down, and uh, I feel like we're on a on an up right now.
0: Chilavis overall as a whole, I mean, it's pretty um, supportive, and I feel like the community truly backs what you guys do. I don't really see a lot of. Uh things that would point to the contrary, but you're on, you're on the inside, you know, so you, you probably see things out of a different scope than we do from the outside.
1: No, I, I think we are uh, we have a really good relationship with our community um, and yeah, I, I feel like we're really supported uh, here in Chula Vista. I, I tell our mayor and city council that all the time that uh, it's helpful because our, our mayor and city council is very supportive of the department and uh, not every city can say that, not every police department can say that and I think that's kind of where it starts, you know, but it, Again, it all boils down to us and the work we're doing uh, and the efforts that we make with the community that, that keeps people wanting to support us.
0: Look at you. I, lo- I love having travel seeds in the background as you're, you're dropping take on how awesome you are. Look at you, <laughs> man. <laughs> Lieutenant David Oyos is also an Emo Brown Social Club member. We had an outing earlier in the week for a Padre game. It was awesome to see you out there, you know, hanging out, letting your, you know, metaphoric hair down, enjoying a nice drink, mingling with other social club members. You brought a guest with you. We're allowed to talk about your guest and what he does.
1: Yeah, that was my son. Mm-hmm. My son. He, uh, we have season tickets to the Padres, so we go to... Uh, Things
0: are going really good for Lieutenant Noy. Well, I don't, <laughs> have, I don't have a full season like the Garcia family, but... Uh, yeah, but I also have three little kids. Well, Jeez. that's true. They want to go to the game. <laughs> so,
1: uh, yeah, we have a, a, a partial season, and uh, we go to you know quite a few games together. It's one think, of the few times, and you, you know this. Yeah, man. Sometimes you get to, like, really have down-to-earth conversations with your kids, And
0: that, that that's what I was really, like, uh, dwelling on yesterday when I saw you. I was like, I mean, that, that's awesome. Because my, my I have little kids. Like, and then the next two weeks, my oldest is going to turn 10. I just had one turn 8. One just turned 5. So I'm going to have a 10, an 8, and a 5-year-old. And just watching you hang out with your 24, 23-something-year-old kid, going out, having a good time, having a drink, having a conversation. Kind of, I saw you kind of just showing them, like, oh, these are these guys, this is what they do. Your son also works on the force. What does your son do for the force? Yeah,
1: so he uh, just a few months ago got hired. He Nepotism? Was, Go ahead. I call it hard work. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, he graduated from San Diego State nice. uh, as with a com- degree in computer science. Um, he's he's got he's got the brains in the family. Nice. And uh, so we got a job in our digital evidence unit where they do uh, forensics on cell phones and computers. Uh, basically, they. They're like the forensic specialist for dude. That's a whole new world with that, right? It's a growing industry.
0: Are those like things that you can use for past crimes, past investigations? Like when thing, I, I watch some CSI and and some of those like documentary shows, where it's like even if you go and do like a twenty three andme Me or something, like they can have your DNA and it's like we've got a match. This dude in nineteen seventy two did some nasty shit.
1: Yeah, I mean that the DNA stuff's incredible. That's that's how they're solving a lot of cold case homicides Crazy. from 20, 30 years ago um, through DNA and through those those companies that, you know, you send to get your heritage. Um, you know, law enforcement sends them search warrants and they have to abide by they the do? court order. Oh, oh yeah. wow. And so they don't give it up freely cuz, you know, they care about their customers' privacy, but if there's a court order um, they have to abide. They, they have to abide by it, yeah.
0: When your kid was growing up and saw Daddy being a police officer, you're 21 years at Chula Vista. was that something he wanted to do. Was he in your ear, like Daddy? I want to be a police officer.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I mean, as a before.
0: police officer, do you force feed him like, Hey, Mom, you're going to be a police officer, whether you no, like it or not?
1: not? I, I honestly think most cops don't want their cops to be, uh, their kids to be cops, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we always want better for our kids. And so uh, he was a cadet at our department for five, six years. Um, So he, I mean, really rose his way up through the ranks of the cadet program. He put in the time then. Geez, that's awesome. Our volunteer program. And at one point he really did want to be an officer. And then when he got to college and he started working towards his major, his focus changed a little bit, but he still had that interest. So I think the digital evidence unit for him is like the, the melding of both perfect worlds there.
0: Seems like a stand-up little guy, man. I was talking to him yesterday for a little bit, picking his brain on what he does. He seems like super, super into what he's doing, which which is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's new and exciting for him, so he he's definitely enjoying himself.
0: well yes, you're here today because we wanted to try something. Something that have been bugging you and harassing you over like the last year. I said, hey, you know what, man? I'd like to see the true effects of liquor and gauge them via a breathalyzer test. So today... We have, you you brought it with the approval of the city and and the police chief and everything involved. We are doing this in an honorable way. We are doing this in the most respectful and law-abiding way that we could. We have Erica the Breaker here. She came in today and she wanted to be a part of this experiment. So she is the hamster in the hamster wheel today. She blew into the little breathalyzer and it blew triple zeros. Zeros. So now she took a shot about five minutes ago. Ten minutes ago. In actuality, it's probably time for her to take another shot. Now we're almost at that fifteen-minute mark. Every fifteen minutes for three. So by the time this show is over, we're gonna see how drunk she got from triple zero to an hour into it. Should we? Should we be taking a breathalyzer of her every time? That she takes a shot. Yeah, so I think it's important. You know, the
1: reason we we doing it, we discussed it. There we
0: go. Here we go. The disclaimer. Go ahead, brother.
1: Educational purposes, right? Like uh, you, you got. I was I was hoping there would be beer, right? Because you're in the brewing industry, and uh, most of the folks breaking news. I hate beer. Yeah, that's weird. You
0: brew beer and you don't like that. I don't brew beer anymore. You no, don't sir. Don't get high on your own supply. I that's do not. A little strange to me, but yeah. I'm a law-abiding citizen. So. <laughs> Educational
1: aspects. <laughs> um, I think it's important. So, like, and here's the deal. Like, if you get your license from the DMV, they give you a little card, and it tells you how many drinks per hour you can have before, based on how much you weigh. Really? Yeah, you get that, and, and they still give those out when you get your driver's license. It tells you, based on how much you weigh, how many drinks per hour you can have. So and still be if legally. The California DMV can tell people, hey, this is how much you can drink before you're legally drunk. Uh, I don't see any harm in us doing it to educate your your listeners Absolutely. so that they can hopefully not make bad decisions, right? Like, uh, I got to tell you, you know, I was working the weekends um, uh, just a few few months ago, and I was up and down Third Avenue all night. We had a lot of conversation about that. The best site in the world was at four in the morning as I'm driving down Third Avenue. All the cars that are left behind on there Third is. Avenue, because that tells me a lot of people Ubered home, right? Very good thing. Um, so
0: right now with Uber and <laughs> there's Lyft. nothing better than waking up like on a Sunday morning going to do all the stuff that I need to do and I go down 3rd Avenue and yeah I'm like these fucking cars they didn't move Right. sometimes I look in and I'm like somebody's sleeping in the back seat no I'm just playing I don't know is that illegal no, question, I- question for me if I'm drinking at a bar and I'm drunk and I don't want to go home can I legally sleep in my car if the keys are in my pocket yeah, you're fine. Is that a DUI? As long as you're not driving. No, you okay. only get a DUI if you're driving. Okay. So I, there's there's like a, 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 a folks hail that I have to put the key under my car. No. It can't be in possession or anything? No. So you're saying that I can sleep in my car and, and sleep it off and it can be in my pocket and I'll be you're all right? You're not driving? I'm not
1: driving. I mean, te- I'm sleeping. If you want to get into technicalities, so I
0: guess technically you could be drunk in public
1: still, but that's not a DUI. Mm. But I will say. I don't think you'll ever speak to a cop who would rather you sleep in your car than try to drive home.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. The conversations I'll never have, hopefully, but it's good to know in the back of our mind. For sure. Modern technology is going to allow us to test you. Take that shot, Erica, the breaker. Let's see what you're all about. Down the hatch it goes. I'm learning a lot, dude. That was awesome. So we, we have Erica, the breaker over here, taking her shots, doing her thing. She had now two shots in the last 20 minutes, roughly. And she blew a .081, which is legally over the limit. Legally over the limit. What is the limit? .08. Like, if you're out there yeah. and you pull somebody over and they pull, they blow a .081, that's a wrap?
1: Well, it kind of depends on the scenario. Were they weaving all over the road? Did somebody call and say, hey, they just ran me over? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, Did they not stop at a stop sign and you stopped them? for a different reason and then you realize they were under influence. You know, there's a lot of factors that go in that.
0: That's crazy. I've never seen, I've never seen, I've seen them at bars, but I'm assuming those aren't, they're just gimmicky. They're not real deal Holyfield the way it goes, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I know they, some of them, they sell are kind of expensive. I honestly don't think they're that accurate, but I don't know. Oh man.
0: Two shots, 20 minutes, legally intoxicated. That's crazy. Cause I mean, when you think back and reflect on things, that's, that's, a, that's a quick night on Third Avenue. Well, you, but,
1: you, but very quick. But more importantly,
0: uh, you, how do you feel, Erica? Do you feel like you could drive right now? No. Really? You, you feel like you're already at that point where you, where you can't drive? No, I feel already level now. She's feeling a little tingly in the face, which leads me to the next question. You've been promising me and my BFF, Gus, a ride along for a while. How close are we to unlocking that level, sir?
1: So it's still difficult right now because I'm on patrol anymore. Uh-huh. Right? So it's going to be it need to be where I'm working an overtime shift because that's the only time I'm going to work patrol, and they they do come around. Um, so that's that's really what we're waiting on is an opportunity where for me to work at night, uh, and then hopefully you guys are available.
0: How dangerous are these patrols at night? Get do they get pretty overwhelming? A little bit, uh, a lot of shit going on in the streets of Chula Vista. Uh,
1: we're we're busy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We you know we go to. 80, you know, 88,000 calls
0: for service a year. Well, here I mean, we it's, are. It's busy. We're here now, yeah. August 1st. Where are we as a city in Chula Vista as it relates to crime, as it relates to arrest, as it relates to calls that you've had to answer? You say you're busy and and, and, and you guys are definitely busy based on the... Because I, I bug you, man. I'll, I'll reach out to you be like, hey, how are we doing? Hey, what's going on in Chula Vista? Hey, we're, we're like the hot pots, parts of, of Chula Vista. Where, where should I avoid? And you always tell me Third Avenue. So I said can. I can't. I, I work there. <laughs> Is 3rd Avenue really a sore, an eyesore in Chula or what's going on? No, not at all. Mm. Yeah.
1: I, we talked about a the yesterday, right? I think the city did a really good job promoting 3rd Avenue, uh, nightlife, bring people into the city, helps tax revenue. That's what the city supports. Money, to money. Do. Absolutely. Uh, but it's kind of in the middle of a residential neighborhood. I mean, kind of. I mean, other than 3rd Avenue, it's nothing but residential. So I live three blocks away. Well, there you go. So I, I think some of the residents in the area have not taken to the city's plan of, of making 3rd Avenue the nightlife that's going to bring in revenue uh, and people into our city, right? So I mean, you can't make everybody happy. Um, so we do our best to try to ensure... Uh, that we we deal with those complaints when they come in from the residents, But I I mean,
0: you can't close down Third Avenue either. I personally am unperturbed by the actions on Third Avenue. I enjoy them. I'm far enough away where I don't hear anything. Every now and then I will hear something on there. I'm like, oh, what's going on? People are popping off. It's busy. Everyone's having a good time. The way I see it is like, as long as you and your crew are out there hanging out, either uh, recreationally or on patrol, walking the streets and keeping an eye, Feels like a good time out there. Feels like not, not too much. Every now and then we see a video of a dog biting somebody though. Um, How often does the, the canine unit come out?
1: We can have canines out on every shift. Yeah. Well, if they're on, you know, they have vacationistically like everybody else, but we have a canine officer assigned to every single patrol shift. So in theory, when everybody comes to work, we should always have at least
0: one canine out. The true heroes right there, man.
1: Yeah, they do the. the so much
0: training must go in and, and is involved with getting a, a canine up to par on what's required.
1: So not only do they go through a canine academy, but every single Monday they have training every Monday.
0: Right now, we got K nine units out there training
1: once once a week. They train with the uh, National City Sheriff's Department. It's like a, a county wide training that they do.
0: Fill me in on what's going on in Chula Vista, Oils. What's cracking?
1: Uh, you know, we're so we, I didn't I haven't punched in August numbers yet, but as of June, from January first through June thirtieth, uh, we're about forty three thousand. Uh, radio calls for service where people called the police department and based on their needs we had to send an officer. Uh, about little over 10,000 calls where our officers saw something that needed investigating. They stopped to talk to somebody that could be a traffic stop. For the first that six months. Be, first six months. First yeah, two so quarters
0: right. of the year. 10,000 so, calls where an acti- uh, officer was activated.
1: Yeah. So, well, no. Fi- total 53,000. A little over 53,000.
0: Okay. That's a lot. It is.
1: Um, so, we've Taken almost eight thousand reports, and we've made almost a thousand arrests. So halfway through the year, we're on pace for two thousand arrests.
0: How does that relate to last year?
1: Uh, it's on par. I okay. Mean, honestly, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it feels like we're busy. I don't think the numbers show that. Um, but it's a, a normal year in City of see. That no seems we like can a lot. To keep people safe,
0: you guys relax, bro. There's nobody here pointing the finger. Like, do better. Relax. You're in a safe space chill we we, we. I'm sorry I was flashing back to when you had Daryl on for the first time in, in 10 years
1: and and he put his cape on and talked about all oh, the hero oh, man. work
0: so. oh bro he never I think he's still wearing it right now he might I'm a big I'm a big supporter of Daryl and you and everything you guys do to make our city better it's like I live in I live three three blocks from the brewery so we see a lot of grimy shit. I see I see some things that I'm like oh there's a lot of homelessness a yeah. lot of these dudes are like they're on a sick and they're they're just wreaking havoc on the block and in the neighborhood I'm like oh at what point do you recommend somebody to call and report somebody? Because I don't want to be part of those 53,000 calls that go out unless I absolutely need to. Like, what, what do you guys gauge? Like, oh, you know, we won't be sending somebody out, handle this on your own, or we'll be there ASAP. Like, is there a, a tier of how, how, how fast you guys react to a call?
1: Sure, I mean, it, it depends on what the call's about, right? So we get a lot of calls on our homeless folks, um, and it depends on what are they doing, right? There's a homeless man sleeping on the sidewalk. Okay, it's not against a lot of sleep on the side, but is that man breathing? Then we may need to go check his welfare, right? So no, he's just sleeping and he won't move. Okay, we'll get somebody out there when we can, make sure they're okay, I'll maybe offer some services. Um, but there are some things that we can't go to. We don't normally go out if somebody isn't breaking the law or violating the law. Um, and then depending on, you know, we everything is tiered. So everything is a priority-based system and it goes by... is. Someone about to be, you know, killed, injured, uh, is death imminent? We're going right now, lights and sirens, right? Is, uh, or all the way up to, hey, uh, I was gone for the weekend. I got home. Someone broke the window of my car. Like a report, right? That person's going to wait until there's somebody available. Versus, we have to handle all the crimes or emergencies that
0: are happening right now. What is the average response time right now for Tulavisca PD? So we don't
1: really have averages. What we do is we have. Um, we have to meet certain response times to say we've met. So priority ones, priority twos, our priority one response time, I believe is six minutes. Mm. If I'm not. We're supposed to go be at a priority one call within six minutes to say we met response time. And if you think about it, that's a long time. You're waiting when you're having an emergency, right? Yeah. Uh, and a priority two is 12 minutes. So we're supposed to get out there within 12 minutes to say we've met response time.
0: So you call 911. You give your your uh, your emergency, and it's the duty of that person on the phone to say determine at that time. All right, this is a priority one, or this is a priority two. So yeah, dispatch
1: determines like what crime is occurring or what's going on. They enter in the system, and the computer system says this is priority one, and it gets entered as such. And then our dispatch screen, it'll if it's a priority one, it'll hop to the very top so they can. They can see it. If it's a report call, priority five, it'll dump to the bottom so where they, they'll get to it when they can.
0: That's crazy, man, because Chula Vista is big. People don't, I think people on the outside don't really realize how big Chula Vista is from the water, from the ocean all the way to the mountaintop. So at any given time during the day, are you guys like spread out all throughout Chula Vista? You got people on the west side. You got people on the east side because as far south as Main Street as well, man, as far north as what, like the 54 and C Street area. That's a big footprint to cover.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you you hit the boundary. So you got fifty four all the way down to Main Street, uh, and then you've got basically the ocean, right, all the way out to Otai Lakes, and uh, and Proctor Valley Road out there. That takes. That's fucking common. far. <laughs> it's a long way, it's a long way to cover when officer. Uh, calls for assistance and they're out there. If uh, They got to hightail
0: it all the way it over could, there.
1: It could take you, if you're not hopping on the freeway, like before the 125, it could take you 30 minutes to get yeah. out there. Yeah. I, I remember responding from the station on the, on a graveyard shift to East Lake High School because we had uh, like a burglary happening and our officers had people cornered. And we literally drove lights and sirens from the station. It took us 25 minutes to get there.
0: People don't believe me, but I always say that it's quicker for me to go to North Park than it is to go to East Lake, and that's how far it is. I mean, I'm I'm spoiled in the sense that I drive to East Lake every day, but I'm spoiled because I'm I'm there like a.m. Bro, I'm, I I got since I work at UPS, I got to be up and at him like by three in the morning, and there's rarely any traffic, and it takes me like yeah, like a, a little bit shy of twenty minutes to get out there, but if some shit is going down like I've seen, I've seen things go down recently in, in Eastlake in the middle of the night where like either somebody was in a car accident or a motorcycle flipped over and he's on the median and I'm like oh shit I just saw I just saw like uh, uh, two patrol cruisers going the other way I wonder if they're, gonna, if they're the only ones working over they're gonna have to flip a u-turn come back and save the day
1: yeah, no, I mean, they have a lot of ground. Our folks that work on the east side, they have a lot of ground to cover.
0: And How are we looking with, with the employment ratio right now on um, police officers?
1: Yeah, so right now we're down 30 officers. We I think we're authorized like 281. I think we're down to 251. Um, that includes people who are in the academy who have aren't by themselves patrolling yet. So if you include those folks, I'd say we probably have, um, I don't know, 240 um, so we're probably 40 45 cops down for people who aren't you know who we should have
0: out there patrolling. Is there a want? Do people want to be police officers again or not yet? You know it's hard. And I only like, ask that cuz I always hear it's like nobody wants to be a police officer, bro. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a police officer. So it goes it comes in waves. It's really strange. Like we had uh, big
1: groups that we were sent to the police academy in the last 2 3 academies like record numbers for us and then this next academy it's super low. And I don't know if that's just uh, the wave of applicants that came in this time. Um, I don't, I'm not sure because I'm not up in uh, backgrounds and recruiting, but uh, I think it comes in waves. What's the process of becoming a police officer? So, I mean, really it starts out, it's all about your background. I mean, you have to go through
0: and take a written test. So there's different levels that you have to unlock before you ultimately get that badge and become a police officer. For sure. Yeah. It's
1: not a short process. So physical test, written test um a pretty lengthy background process and then if you get through all those things you have to take a physical test like you go to a doctor okay and they make sure you're healthy enough to do the job and then you go see a psychologist and make Damn. sure you're mentally healthy to do the job right um so yeah it's 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 daunting for some folks. Yeah, right? and it, and it takes a
0: while. It really Especially does. since we live in a society where everything is quick gratification, quick results on something. When you have to put the time and the effort and everything to kind of get something done, and it takes so long. I'm assuming some shit like that takes what over under a year. It used to be around a year, mm-hmm.
1: honestly, and I think we've sped the process up. So we can get people done in in four to six months now. Uh, we had to add to our background unit, right? We had to change how we're doing certain things. Because you got to remember too, the human resource division of the city is responsible for like the beginning part of getting the applicants in, setting up the written tests and the physical tests and whatnot. That's all in the like HR side of things. The police department handles the background stuff and we're involved in the whole process, but we are relying on a whole nother division too. So it's, it is hard sometimes.
0: The pool of people applying for positions in the CVPD, are they primarily from Chula Vista, the South Bay, all over San Diego? Where do you guys see the majority of people applying for this position?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're all a majority of San Diego County. We have a lot of military folks hmm. uh, applying.
0: Is that an easy transition for a military head to come in and, and apply for a CVPD role? And do they get their process expedited since they already have a lot of the background or training?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say, actually, I think their process is probably longer. Is it really? Oh. Because most military folks, they live all around the country. So to do their background, it takes a lot longer. You have to wait for records to come back from different states, versus somebody who was born and raised, grew up here in Chula Vista. We can do their whole background. It's a lot faster because we can we can go to their high school, we can go to their you know their employers and and get the, uh, personnel records, and it's all much faster. So the background for someone who's locals is a lot quicker than someone who was uh, transferred here in the military from out of state.
0: One thing that I've noticed a lot more recently, and I know a lot of people tell me, is, hey, next time you have oils, ask them about this, ask them about this. The drones, bro. Like, I see a lot more of the drone activity. How many drones do you guys have out, like, uh, throughout the day? Is it just one drone, or is it, like, multiple drones sitting in different areas of Chula Vista?
1: Yeah, so there's um, four stations throughout the city. We have one on the police department, uh, one out at, I believe, Southwestern College. Okay. Uh, One flies off the roof of Bayview Hospital, 3rd Moss, and then another one is out, uh, one of the new hotels out east. And so with those four stations, they can cover a good
0: majority of the city. What is their radius? Uh, How far can they travel from their spot? You
1: know, I'm not
0: sure. I'm not the expert. Like miles,
1: though, you think? Well, yeah. Yeah? Honestly, I think, because if you figure those four cover cover the whole city pretty much, I mean... Yeah, they, they can go pretty far.
0: I always get freaked out because I'm in the front yard and I'm just hanging out either playing catch with the boys or doing whatever. And then I look up and I hear that zzz, and I'm like, what the fuck? Am I doing something wrong? And I keep looking and he goes, Daddy, what's that? I was like, I don't know. Go inside. <laughs> not, I don't want to be under a bad drone. You know, I don't want to be under a drone that's not CVPD operated.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of those out there. We get calls a lot like, hey, uh, why is your drone, you know, hovering over my backyard? It's,
0: it's, it's ours. not us.
1: Ours, ours have to remain, they have to stay pretty high. Because, um, you, you know, I'm at the station, so I hear them take off all day. It's very loud when they take off because they're so low. But once they get to the altitude that they're flying to, you don't even really notice them.
0: How useful are they? How helpful are they to you guys uh, and, and the whole squad? Being out in patrol, knowing you have that eye in the sky in four different spots of Chula Vista.
1: Yeah, I was, honestly, I was real skeptical when we started the drone program because um, we call them first responders, right? So we talked about those response times. So when a drone gets overhead of a scene... We call that, we made... That's oh, response I time. see what you're saying. So yeah. in the beginning, I thought, you know, it's kind of cheating because we don't really have an officer there. But in honestly, we do, though, because an officer is... Observing the, the situation. And is observing, and they absolutely are there, and they're on the radio communicating with people, and they're amazing. I mean, we get overhead our, on our, our work phones. We have an app um, that we log into at the beginning of the shift, and you basically turn on the app, and you can see the drone footage. You can see... This house that we have, you know, the bank where we have a bank robbery in progress or that there's at least an alarm of a robbery and you get to sit there and watch and dial in and see what's going on you Get to watch and see if someone comes running out, if customers are come running out. I mean, they've been pretty invaluable.
0: What do they what do they look for? Like are, when it's just kind of combing the neighborhood, do they look for like traffic accidents, crimes in progress, is it similar to like you said a response time where somebody calls 911, gives you their emergency, oh, it's a top tier priority 1 emergency, and at that point the drone is activated and sent over to that area and they're just the first first eyes on the scene, kind of a collecting evidence or collecting footage of what's going on. What 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 do criminals do when they see that there's a fucking drone on there? Have you guys had a like a test case where like, all right, as soon as we get a drone there and there's a crime in progress, what do these criminals do? Do they give up? Or do they, fuck, we gotta go?
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't think they even pay much attention no? to it at all. No. So our, our drones don't patrol. They hmm. don't go okay. on patrols. So they only go to radio calls. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and okay. so they don't film. If you see a drone flying over your head, the camera is focused on the horizon. So anytime our drone leaves the building when you when you go into the feed. You see the ocean. You see okay. the So it's not... So we were very cognizant of people's privacy concerns. Um, so the drone doesn't look down as it's flying. It looks out. And okay. they know... They fly it to a scene, and then the camera and then the, down. And then you're in action. When the retone, re, uh, drone returns to the station, the camera goes right back to, back horizon. to the horizon and heads back to the station.
0: So, so if I see a drone... Lingering. It's just a creepy neighbor. It's not the CVPD doing its thing. Well, I mean, it I could be ours. Yeah. You know, if you had a call there, right? <laughs> Why would we have a call there? I have three little boys. We're playing in the yard. Oh, when your house, but your neighborhood. I live in a grimy neighborhood, man. This is Chula, man. Hey, I live in a grimy neighborhood. I'm going to ask you some questions off the air about some questionable neighbors. Keep harassing. Me. Whatever. We'll get into that. I love having you in here, bro. Because you don't just, it just doesn't end with you being the highest ranking Mexican in the Vista Police Department. What happened? You gave me the three. There's three people in front of you? No, there's three high ranking Mexicans. Because you guys are all lieutenants. Yeah, there's three yeah, of them. But they don't want to come in. You, you come in. So I feel like just if, if I'm going to like give somebody a ranking, I'm going to rank you number one because you actually come in here and do things. I'm
1: just trying to give my partners
0: their due. <laughs> well, stop that. What else do you do associated with the police department? and I'm alluding to your association for the police officers.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm currently the president for our our union, which is the Chula Vista Police Officers Association. Uh, We're a nonprofit group, very similar to Emo Brown. Thank you. uh, That, you know, tries to do- uh, Good in the hood, say it.
0: Good in the hood. There it
1: is. uh, Whenever we can, Um, concentrate on officer wellness, right? Do things that help the officers um, get through their their daily stressful lives, um, things, uh, like we have a gym, we have a building, Yeah, uh, similar to the warehouse here.
0: Uh, you you guys office, is like next level though. You'll get there. Is that, you guys like have a sauna. I think you have like a masseuse on staff that's just always there. I think that person lives there. That's crazy, man. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet.
1: We can get there. Though. Uh, but yeah, it's a place for oursters to go unwind. Uh, that's where we hope uh, have our uh, meetings. Hmm. You know, our monthly meetings. Uh, and then, you know, we have our yearly Christmas party. It's kind of our big event that um, you were able to... I was, thank race you. Grace us with your presence. No,
0: yeah, or whatever. Last year, um, as, as soon as I saw like, some of you coppers, like, getting on a sick one, I was like, told wife, is like, this is where we leave. All right, we're, we're going to have to leave because uh, we're not police officers and we don't know what happens. Mama knows. And we left.
1: That's why we do it at a hotel. Yeah. So we don't have to drive home. Dude, you guys, guys have so many stuff. gifts that you give away. Yeah, we got uh, out of control last year.
0: That's good, right? Uh, that means there's a lot of support. It was good. But it took too long. How it took do you too long guys enjoy the party? How do you guys raise money throughout the year? I understand that if you're a police officer, you are obligated to donate uh, to the union on a payroll basis but is that the only form of income and and fundraising you guys do throughout the year
1: yeah so it's it's not an obligation people voluntarily so everyone's a member of our bargaining unit Mm -hmm. for uh employee benefits uh but you voluntarily choose to be a a paying member of the association so um right now we uh we boast 100 uh membership (laughs) uh for the association um, because I think you know, it comes with a lot of things that the officers need. You make them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of our fundraising, you know, it's, uh, we haven't got to do a lot of it uh, as we've done in the past. So a lot of it comes from community donations uh, when we do events um, or just through the member uh, dues that come in and, uh, and, our, and invest. We have a, an investment committee that invests our money. And so the stock market has not been doing very well not lately. Or at anyone all who follows that mm-hmm. um,
0: horrible but we're all in the same boat there right um but that's really you're very knowledgeable uh, okay. it's awesome to have you here as the president you're involved with a lot of things like i'm telling you man you're part of task forces i'm going to get this one out because you were uh, gracious enough to present us with the southern california gang conference certificate of appreciation hereby granted to three punk ales why did we get this and why isn't your name on here so that was signed
1: by the folks who are on the board of directors at the gang conference. I am not on the board of directors at the gang conference. However, um, because they know the relationship that I have with you guys, they asked, hey, uh, can we see if they'd be willing to make a donation? And so you guys did donate some some beer. Whatever you need. Some beverages. And uh, that was used at a picnic that we had the first day and it was used at a, um, a social hour event. Damn, look at night. you guys
0: rationing kegs. bro. like, oh, you at- know, we're
1: going to use this one here. Ah, ah, ah that's too much. We got to save some for the next event. No, well, they were both, we brought them both, back both empty. Uh, everybody enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, it's through donations like that. You know, I think I told you the gang conference, uh, it supports our uh, our fallen officers fund, the FOF, which is run through the district attorney's office. Every penny that goes in the fallen officers fund goes back to an officer's family uh, either an officer who's been injured in the line of duty, has been killed in the line of duty, uh, to help families get back on their feet, to help support them get through, you know, some pretty tough times.
0: Man, you you are involved with a lot of top notch activities, man. That's pretty awesome. I take no credit for the yeah, but I mean, These guys are uh, you raising they, awareness? They do great work. Yeah, you're raising awareness. You made me uh, aware of exactly what was going on, and said, just throw some kegs away. We appreciate. It. I said, man, if that's what you need. That's awesome. You're a great representative of the mobile social club. Cause like anytime I see a police officer uh, working in third Avenue or in general, general area, they'll see me like, ah, three Ales. We love it. We love going there. And I'm like, oh shit. I fucked around. And, and we got a lot of like firefighters at the brewery. Got a lot of police officers that go to the brewery. And a lot of people will see that I, like it is police presence. It, it could be a double-edged sword. Why is there so much police presence on third Avenue? You know, it's cause you want to be safe or it's like, because of a lot of shit going down. We just appreciate that you guys are out there doing your job. You know, we're not bootlickers. Anytime I, I have you on, bro, you should see the shit that comes my way, dog. You should see that. And I say, you know what? I support Oyo's and everything he does. He's a big supporter of everything that we do here at Emo Brown. Your association was was gracious enough to, to give us a nice donation earlier in the year, man. You know, and, and, and part of that, all of that actually has been able to help us meet our goal that we're going to be able to give 10 scholarships this year so I mean all of these drops in the bucket turns into streams turned into like a well full of like okay now we're able to do these things now we're able to help here we're able to help there so when I say it's like hey, we're a community based nonprofit, and it's people like you who hold positions within the community that help us as well so that's why I'm always, like, really eager to see what we can do to help you guys out. I'm, the older I've become, the more I realize that there are a lot of people that support you. I know once upon a time, people are probably like, oh, no, I don't support cops. Da, 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 until you need one. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I take it back. I take it back. I need your help. I need your help, please. And I get it, bro. I get it. For every awesome thing you guys do, there's, there's a couple of bad apples, you know? What do you guys, and we've talked about this in the past, but maybe an update on what have you guys actively done to bridge that gap with the community here in Chula Vista to be uh, more connected. Because I know when there's that integration of community and the LEOs, the, the 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 law enforcement officers, I feel like when people, the officers either live here in the community or are heavily involved in the community, maybe those things go away.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think people forget we're part of the community, right? Most, I think I, I told you, I looked at the numbers before. It's a little less than half, but half our officers actually do live here in the city that they work in.
0: Right? You have a long drive from La Jolla. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm gonna gonna retire to to La Jolla. Yeah, Um, yeah, no, I'm in the the East County, it's where I grew up. um, And I found my way back home, after living in the city for a little bit. I I shared that story with you. But um, yeah, I mean, we're members of the community too, and we want to see the community succeed. And so it's really important. You know, it all starts at the top. Our chief is very big on community relations. Uh, We have a community relations division, cops that are just dedicated to bridging that gap in the community. You know, they host events, like Coffee with a Cop, where we go out. And, how often do you do that? Uh, I believe it's once or twice a month right now.
0: Uh, we're actually pretty active. and I was going to uh, say, I feel like I, I, I'm kind of in the know, and I always miss it. I, I don't know exactly when or where or how many you guys have, I'd like to go to one just to kind of hang out and ask lame questions from the back.
1: Well, that's a good segue for National Night Out, which is tomorrow night at the police station. So it's National Night Out for a reason. Every police department in America will probably be hosting some sort of event at their police station. So tomorrow night, uh, you can... Bring your family. There's a booth. Several uh, folks, uh, businesses are coming out. Uh, Home Depot will be there with projects for the kids to build. Tacos El Gordo will be there. Stop handing it. out free tacos Stop tomorrow. it. For, for real? Uh, yeah, right. they're going to have music and a DJ. The Police Association will be there hanging out coloring books and crayons for the kids. Bottled of water, bottles of water for everyone. They're giving tours of the police department. You can come in, sign up. Uh, they'll, they'll have, uh, I think, the corner of our street there shut down, and they're going to have the SWAT truck out there. Um, they'll be doing demonstrations, canine demonstrations, just a night for the community to actually come to the police department. And see
0: what you guys are about. Yeah,
1: see what we're about. Come and do a tour of the department. You know, the drone folks will be out there showing off the drones. Um, it's just a chance to engage the community. Uh, and this is on a national uh, level. This is a national event that we participate in. Um, but, you know, uh, the who's who will be there. I would will you be there? You be there. I will be there. Oh, shit. I'll be, uh, I'll be working our
0: uh, Police officer Association booth. Where where, uh, where exactly for Chula Vista is it going to be at?
1: So it's going to be right out in front of the police department. They're in okay. the courtyard right in front mm-hmm. of the statue. We're going to, if you. Statue actually,
0: of you, Lieutenant DeVito Is the highest ring in Mexican.
1: No, you know, that is actually a, uh, a, a retired sergeant okay. and a current captain hmm. who posed for that statue. She got the nickname the statue
0: because of it. Is uh, this a goal for you? To be a statue? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> to be captain even? Police chief? What's higher? Police chief, correct? Yes. I'm going to assume chief. Yeah, that's the highest. Yeah. And then it's captain.
1: Yeah. No. Right. Right now, my goal is to be as. as You're best such a weenie, like man. Right I always,
0: I always nice. ask you the same way. You always I'm give me the weenie the answer. answer.
1: That's, that's the only answer, <laughs> brother. Honestly, if you would, I think you used to ask me uh, when I was a homicide sergeant if I wanted to do anything else. The answer was no. I love that job. Um, but uh, at our department, you have to rotate. Um, I couldn't have stayed in that position forever. And so I kind of keep... Emotionally it. draining?
0: Or just there's termed out limits? or uh,
1: You just, you term out, yeah. And
0: is that for all the shit you guys see and, and kind of put yourselves through?
1: No, it's more of uh, a necessity for a smaller department like us to rotate folks through so that the experience keeps shuffling through our, our ranks. So we have folks in patrol who are former homicide detectives. Um, some of the bigger agencies, they have like lifetime positions to where... That's good. You know, you can say I've been a homicide detective for 20 years. But at our department, you know, you're a homicide detective between four and eight years. And then you either promote or rotate back to patrol. Now you have that experience rolling around a patrol car handling those types of scenes. And so it's invaluable to our, our younger officers and our staff out there in the community benefits from it. So.
0: Traumatic job, I'm assuming, that, that, that department. I'm sure all, all of the police force, it, it, it's a traumatic job. It's a dangerous job day to day. But I'm, I'm assuming that homicide detective unit is probably some of the most mentally taxed it's, it's
1: officers t- you know, on the force. I, I, I will say a lot of our detectives, um, our officers in general, get to see a lot of bad stuff, right? In homicide, you have to make a lot of death notifications, Oof. right? Those are really tough. Um, and, and our family protection unit, you know, they have to talk to, to kids who have been, you know, sexually abused and, and women who have, who have been, you know, uh, sexually abused. And you have to to talk to them, interview them, and that that's not an easy gig either, right? So there's a lot of tough assignments at the department.
0: What kind of mental health care is provided to you guys, to the officers? That, I'm pretty sure you guys need it. You know, like I said, you guys see a lot of shit. So is there anything, is there a, a, an outlet that you guys can reach out to and say, hey, you know what, I'm feeling a certain kind of way and I need to talk to somebody. Does the police uh, department offer that to you guys?
1: Yeah, so we have a lot of different programs You know, through the city. We have EAP, the employee assistance program, uh, we also have, you know, counselors available to us um, through um, through psychological services. If you need somebody to talk to, we have peer support, who are a group of volunteer officers who go get special training on who people can go to if they're if they're feeling a certain kind of way, and who can point them in the direction of some other professional services uh, if they think you know that that might be warranted.
0: Has that always been the case, or is it something like? that's recently like really come to the front line or, or, or is this a service that's always been available to you guys so it's always been available I think more now than ever though hmm. it's
1: it's not there's not a lot of stigma to it anymore I think people once upon a
0: time there was I'm assuming oh right? for
1: sure yeah I, I think um, you didn't want to go to those things you know you had to you know suck it up and just deal with it and I think not just law enforcement but people in general are realizing no you really need to deal with with uh, the trauma before it gets worse you know I think suicide rate in America Extremely high. You know, I don't have any numbers for you, but I know suicide and law amongst law enforcement is very prevalent. Um so absolutely any anytime we can point somebody in the right direction get some help to avoid anything like that is is a good thing.
0: I get this question also a lot. How hard is it to get arrested now? It seems like it, it takes you gotta do some real, real outlandish shit to get arrested.
1: Yeah, I, I would say it's not hard to get arrested. It's just hard to be put in jail.
0: Okay, why? What is so
1: that? So the the a lot of laws have changed, right? They um, they made a lot of crime, a lot of felony crimes, misdemeanors, uh, a lot of theft. Um, you know, Prop Forty Seven. They've decriminalized um, a lot of different drug offenses. They decriminalized, you know, theft. So I mean, right now the the crazy thing you see on on TV right now, or uh, um like uh, uh, losing my train of thought on like um. Uh, YouTube or uh, or Twitter, you see these videos of these people just ransacking stores and just walking yeah. out. Just not giving two shits, right? And no one stops them because the store doesn't care. They're not stealing from them because they know if an officer stops them, they're going to get a ticket. They're not even going to go to jail. So there's, there's really no punishment for these folks
0: to not... Go and steal shit. In some cases, you almost feel like the store owner. If they put hands on the criminals, they'll get, they'll probably get in more trouble than the actual people that are committing the crime. Yeah, I wouldn't say not from us,
1: but yeah. Yeah, I mean from a civil standpoint. Yeah. You know, that's we were a very litigious society, right? Everybody wants to sue everybody else, and so it's it's tough. For, I think for business owners right now, they, does it get it tough for you guys? Uh, it's just frustrating
0: because you got that look on your face. So you want to go out and arrest everybody. Like I just want to put that guy no, in jail. not
1: No, it's honestly. It's about helping victims, right? Yeah. Like I feel bad for the for the store owner. Yeah. They were like, "This guy has stolen from us twenty times this month, and you guys will do nothing about it." And we're like, "We're doing what the law allows us. We write him a ticket, and he comes back the next day. Do again, write him a ticket. And he comes. In. So for the business owner whose merchandise gets ruined or doesn't ever get recovered, they take a loss. It's pretty sad. Right? Yeah. I mean, so it gets frustrating for us cuz we can't help a victim.
0: Cuz we see all the big stores, the CVSs, the 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 Rite Aids, the the big department stores, but they have insurance, they have deep pockets. They'll recover nicely. It won't be an issue with them. The small mom and pop small businesses like get handled in this way. I can see how that can become overwhelming to the point of like, yeah, we just can't operate anymore. Sure. And the- and,
1: and we have a lot of those in two of us. And We had a, a guy just last week we literally, uh, we had a patrol officer make a really good arrest on a guy who she identified as breaking in all the businesses in the 600 block of Palomar. Mm. So a homeless individual who was breaking in all the, they're all small businesses down there, right? Um, the, none of them are big, big, big box companies. Mm-hmm. Um, arrested him, sent him, sent him to the, to jail on nine different burglary. He, he burglarized nine different businesses. The judge let him out and uh, he was out and you know how we knew he was out cuz the businesses got hit five more times the <laughs> following week so the detective goes he's "hold consistent. on a minute we've had five more burglaries they look he's out of custody called the DA's office they're like oh yeah the judge released him and it's just because he knows he's not going to go to
0: jail so, so it's hard, hard to get arrested it's it's, rather, it's hard to get to go it's to jail hard to stay in jail oh my god
1: so you know you feel for those businesses down there and on Palomar who I mean, you know, it's tough, especially with COVID right now. A lot of them were forced to close and forced to do business online, and and now they have to deal with 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 theft. So,
0: well, let's see if we're going to put somebody else in jail right now. Let's let's go take another our final breathalyzer test with Erica the Breaker and see if she's finally able to drive or if she's going to be going to jail. One hour in, she blew a point one zero three. You're not talking your way out of that one, are you? Probably not. Now at that point, it's like you're you're drunk. Yeah walking down the street, maybe she tripped and fell, a a cruiser pulls up on her. Do they make her do a breathalyzer? No. No? No, not for, uh, breathalyzer really just for uh, vehicles. You have to be on some outlandishness if if you're going to get a breathalyzer walking probably, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if somebody says hey, I've got a medical condition and, and we're like, oh, we're worried, you know, there's a lot of liability if we let somebody continue walking home who's falling and hurting themselves and if we let them continue to walk home and you know, they step out of traffic get hit by a car and I mean, that looks pretty bad if we allowed them to walk away. So I guess you could say, hey, you know, blow in this, in this uh, Paz device. It's a preliminary, you know, alcohol screening device to see if they don't have any alcohol. in But I don't, I've never done that for someone who's walking.
0: How about somebody on a bicycle? How common is it to pull somebody over on a bicycle and give them? Because I, I recently found out that is also a DUI. If you get caught on a bicycle drunk and you get a breathalyzer, right? Or am I tripping?
1: I mean, you can get a DUI on a bike. You really got to piss not, somebody off to do that. Through uh, the DMV. Yeah, because uh, you can just get off your bike and walk home, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus
0: Christ, man. I'm just saying our Sunday rides get a little outlandish sometimes. <laughs> Pablo Cacahuates. <laughs> I don't like that little breathalyzer test because I just saw her take three shots in like an hour and she's legit drunk, you know? Like at least as it relates and it reflects on the number. Like she's legally intoxicated and she's a little drunk. She might be a little impaired. You said we were going to do a little eye test on her later to see how that plays a part. Because if somebody blows a point under the legal limit, but then you do the eye test, does one take precedent over the other? No, it's, it's kind of like the totality of everything, you know? I mean, to me... The alcohol screening
1: device is, you do that at the end. So if you stop somebody for DUI and they agree, and again, it's all voluntary, they agree to show that they're not drunk and go through field sobriety tests. We always offer the alcohol screening device at the very end because it's either going to prove or disprove what the officer already thinks. Like we think they're drunk or they go through
0: the test and they're obviously sober. They're not going to offer them that. that. I've been in that position. My dumbass once, uh, I hit a car. I was driving home. Uh, I was tired. You know, I wasn't drinking, but I hit a car. And the first thing that, that was, hey, are you okay, bro? Are you drinking? I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. He's like, I'm going to call the cops. I like, that's cool. I'll be, I'll be here, just hanging out. And the cop came and said, You've been drinking? So it's that, that's like the first assumption always, right? Like, you've been drinking? You've been drinking? Like, what's a word? Have you been drinking? And I was like, no, no, no. And they said, We're going to do an eye test on you. And I was like, okay. I was like, what does that even mean? I was like, we're, look at this pen. And there's like a light coming from the side or something. I said, like, now follow the pen with this. And from underneath and from all around. And the officer was like, obviously you're not, you haven't been drinking. I was like, no, I haven't been drinking. If they had a uh, like they were under the maybe doubt that I was, that's when the breathalyzer would have come out? Yeah, they probably would have asked you to do a few other tests. Mm. Um, so
1: the eye test, it's called the HGN, it's a horizontal gaze nystagmus test. And I'll show you, I'll, we'll do it on Erica before we leave here, but <laughs> your eyes uh, will bounce as you're moving. So there are officers looking to see if you can follow an object smoothly or when they ask you to come look out here. It's, it's just something that happens when you have alcohol in your system. Your eyes will literally
0: bounce and you, you can't control it. It's- My eyes got rhythm, oils. Sometimes they just bounce for no reason. Well,
1: we're going to find out. I'm going to do the test on you as well.
0: Really? Yeah. All right. I'm down for all the tests. Major developments lately, you know, in the news around the world, particularly here in the States, bro, like violence, gun violence, gun control, controversial topics. As a police officer, somebody who is viewed to as coming through and saving the day in a time of despair, in a time of need, what is your outlook on Uvalde and the actions that went down prior, during, and post everything that went down at at the elementary school, rather?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, it's terrible, right? I mean, those, you look at it from the outside looking in and you say those, the officers that were there didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, that was in Texas.
0: I don't know how they train in Texas. I know how we
1: train out here in California.
0: They've been put under the microscope. I feel like everybody knows about how Texas police officer training works now. Sure. Well,
1: you know, there's a lot of, um, so I've we did a deep dive into this. We actually... As a department, we have leadership meetings. We do quarterly. Every supervisor in the entire police department comes together, and we talk about things just like this. And we actually had a presentation on Uvalde and what happened there or what didn't happen there, really. Is, it's is, more what is didn't more happen more there. It's more what didn't happen. And it's a, it's a funny thing um, with, so number one, that's a school police department that responds. They have 12 officers on their department. So how well trained they are, I don't, I don't know probably not not that well. Not throwing down any school any school cops that might be listening, but they don't get as much training as, as regular,
0: you know. Now, is that akin to like a university uh, police force? Like here we have the Southwestern College. They have their own police unit. I know USD has their own police unit on campus. Would yeah. that Uvalde be on par with like something like that?
1: I don't know. Again, oh, okay. Texas versus California could be very different. I feel like in California, we're, we always lead the nation when it comes to, policing, law enforcement, training. People always seem to follow California's lead. So I don't know how far behind they are. Um, But what they did out in Uvalde is what we were trained to do 25 years ago before Columbine, right? Before Columbine, if you had an active shooter in a school, the cops got there, they put a big perimeter around the school and you try to call the shooter out. And After Columbine, the community said, we've had enough. We can't do that. We can't let kids just continue to get shot while everybody's standing around. So we changed everything that we learned. We had to unlearn everything. And we went through an entirely different kind of training. We do it once a year here in the city. Uh, We've actually, last year, we participated in a countywide incident that we held out at the amphitheater. We had every agency in San Diego County come and participate. We had a bunch of kids from the schools come and be, uh, be victims, um, be, be bad guys. Uh, we went through this whole operation because in something like that, like you need, you know, there's going to be a medical response. There's going to be a fire response. There's gonna everyone's be, heading out. Everybody's going to come as it should be. Um, and that's what happened out there. The problem is just from my point of view, when everybody got there, no one wanted to take charge. They said, hey, school cops, this is your deal. Why? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they've answered that question yet. Um,
0: that seems but, like an important question. It's like, everybody's there ready to rock, but nobody was really ready to start it.
1: Yeah. That's strange. Well, yeah. I I feel like nobody in this day and age, they didn't want the liability. Because there was like four different departments that showed up and the board patrol. I think nobody wanted the liability to say, we're going to take over. This is our scene. Um, No one wanted to say, we're going in that room. No one wanted the liability. I, that's what I see. Going, but I'll tell you the scariest thing, and we actually we discussed this um, as part of this presentation that we got. Um, it's already come out, and I don't know how, how much you've been following it. Um, but there was a report, like an after-action report that came out um, that at some point when the the bad guy, right? Like, let's not take away from the fact that, that there's one person who was the cause of all this, right, um, for whatever reason. Um, But he was walking down this hallway and an officer with a rifle literally had him scoped in his like rifle crosshairs. And instead of shooting him, asked his supervisor permission. Am I okay to shoot him? And the supervisor didn't answer. Where was the supervisor? Jesus, Lord, man. There's two problems with that scenario, right? Number one, you don't need to ask to use deadly force on someone who is actively Shooting or killing people.
0: So at that point, when he saw him in his crosshairs, he was it was already an active shooting.
1: Based on what I know, yeah. Oh wow. And then you have a supervisor who either didn't want the responsibility or was unsure themselves. Um, that's what scared me. Like out of this whole presentation that we got, that was the worst part of it. And so we came back to our people. You know, we 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 have these leadership team meetings, and then what happens is the managers and supervisors go back to their teams and the information share, right? Because we can't put everybody in the department. So we went back to our people and we said, please understand, you don't need permission to do your job. You you don't ever need to ask. We need you to do your job. We want you to do your job. Like um, the community cannot be safe unless you are willing to go out and do your job. Um, That was what I took the biggest takeaway for me. Um, Like I said, it's my personal opinion that just no one wanted to take control. No one wanted the liability. Um, you know, Blame whoever, whatever you want. Blame politics. Blame whatever. Um, but they didn't do what they were supposed to do.
0: What uh, happens to police force after a situation like that? After all this has come out, after all the things that have gone down, all of the lives that were lost, and you see all the pieces coming together. Oh, you could have, but you didn't. Yeah. Oh, you should have, but you wouldn't. Oh, had you, but you don't. It's like after all this comes out, I, I feel like this is a humongous black eye to everybody that was involved over there.
1: Oh, sure. Well, I think they're all pointing the finger at one another, right? What else are they so going to do? School cops are saying, hey, you know, we're just a, a small school agency. So when when the local cops got here, they they should have taken over. So it's their fault. And then they're saying, well, hey, the Border Patrol's, you know, tactical team showed up, right? And they were more equipped in it. So when they showed up, they should have, I think they're all just pointing the finger at each other. Um, so what's going to happen to those agencies? I, I mean, I don't know. Um, but again, that school uh, come to find out that school district, police department, they only have 12 people there. So
0: One of the questions that we do get is, locally, you know what, what, what is the view of having a, a trained individual on-school premise carrying a weapon in case of an active shooter, you know Because we, we, we were talking earlier about response times. You know You can't 100 percent stop somebody from committing the act but you 100% can react to it and put a stop to it quickly does having an armed guard an armed teacher personnel on campus is that something that you would you as a, a, a police officer or are you aware of the San Diego Police Department Chula Vista Police Department being on board with having that yeah i honestly i don't i don't think the department would would take
1: a a stance on that i mean i think to me that's that's uh, an internal thing that would at be a, that point a school district yeah. decision um you know, anything that that makes our kids safer. Cesar Fernandez, seed five. We're going to have to reach out to him and, and, and pick his brain about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's no different than like you go to a bank and there's an armed security guard standing in front of the bank or standing in the bank, right? I mean, the difference is that he's protecting money. We have people here protecting kids, right? I mean... I think we're probably at a point in time in society where uh, people who once maybe were against that might be for it, right? might support that. I mean, I don't know what the right answer is. I I don't think the police department would take a role in in being for or against
0: it. Would it help or would it deter, you think, from a personal perspective?
1: Well, I mean, if if you got two schools and you're a school shooter, there's one that you know somebody's there with a gun and one that doesn't doesn't have have. a gun. I mean— to me, common sense says it would make a difference. But again, if you go back to Columbine, they had an officer who was actually assigned on campus. He, It was his only job. He had an office, and those kids from Columbine actually went. They thought he was sitting in his office, and they shot his whole office up. It's the first thing they did before they started their rampage, thinking he was in there um, eating his lunch. I guess um, that
0: position is only as good as the person who mans it, you know, ultimately.
1: I mean, I think the good thing about our schools here, um, especially in Chula Vista, is I think we we do have a good relationship with them, with the department. Uh, we have a school resource officer program. I was talking to Caesar about that earlier. Uh, I was a school resource officer at one time. Uh, I had two schools assigned to me. Uh, I had Chula Vista High School and I had Cook Elementary. And those schools saw me every day. I just bounced back and forth. It was right day. across the street from each other. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, back then, there was 22 officers in that program. As it stands today, we have seven school resource officers. Jeez. There are some schools in Chula Vista who will never see a school resource officer because they don't have a kid that needs to be disciplined or there's no crime report that needs to be taken. Um, Which could
0: be used as a positive. It could be viewed as like, all right, well, that's good. You know, then, that's good. And that was my
1: experience, honestly. Uh, like at the high school, everyone expected me to be there. The elementary school... Uh, I got some parents who wanted me there in the morning to help with traffic because you know the elementary schools are a disaster in the morning. When Agreed. Cool. Um, and then after school, but if they saw me there during the school day, I'd have parents say, "Why are you here? Like, what is your purpose?" Um, and then I'd have other parents say, "Hey, thank you for
0: being here." I don't right? think you'll get those questions anymore on why are you here, just based on you know the current climate of where we live and and what what goes on on a regular basis. I saw a stat saying that well, I don't even want to I don't want to say it because I don't exactly know how accurate it is, but we average like one a week man there's like a legit mass shooting documented on a weekly basis here in the u.s and i remember when uvalde happened right after that there was two or three like copycat style like situations but does that happen regularly you think or just is, is it just because everybody's like on edge paying attention a little bit closer attention to what's happening because i almost feel like legit man mass shootings in the u.s are bananas man to the point where foreigners look at us what the fuck are you guys doing you know, like I always go online on Twitter. Don't do that. It's a cesspool. And people just all they do is talk shit and, 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 and clown on each other, which I enjoy. But like when they're talking about like the U.S. is weird. It's like, damn, you guys front like you guys are this, that and the other. Look, you can't even protect your kids going to school. And it's weird because I have three little boys in school and it makes me fear, feel horrible when they come home and tell me like, oh, we had a active shooter drill or we had a drill where we had to lock the door and and hide and count and not make a noise and I'm like jesus christ whatever happened and like stop drop and roll whatever happened to you know like there's an earthquake drill, I'll just hide under y- your desk. Now it's like an active shooter drill. Yeah, yeah. when, I, when we were in school, that's what we did, the earthquake drill. We're not drill. the same sir, please hide, I'm much younger than you, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> not
1: much, but I'm not, uh, yeah. But you look much older. Thank you, oh difference. wait, what, shit. So, we offset each other then. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, twice a year, every school in Chula Vista goes through an active shooter drill twice a year. So,
0: How do you rank and, us? Careful here. Rank this is, this us with what? Preparedness. With oh, being I, ready for this
1: uh, You know it, It's it's only as good As the people participate You know Because I was just talking To our school resource sergeant And depending on the school Some of them are all about it man You know They take it serious And then other ones are like Are we done yet? We have instruction to get through It's it's an individual thing yeah. right? You have uh, Principals or teachers Who feel a certain way they feel But that's
0: like, weird You almost feel like They want you guys To be actively Involved Or present Or at least know that Hey This is Lieutenant Oyos, The highest ranking Mexican In all of CVPD you see him on campus, you know, like you know, it's going to be all right. I mean, I wish everyone felt
1: that way, but not everyone feels that way, you know, about our. You better our work harder, bro. You department. better do
0: better, Louis. So you we be, do you what better. We can. <laughs> oh man, it's just scary to be a, a parent right now. It's it's there's just a consequences for every action. There's a reaction, and I feel people right now aren't up to the task of stepping up for the reaction that comes their way. You know, it, it's almost daunting. Like I always, I always try to pick your brain about this. Somebody breaking into my house. You know, it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Can I whoop his ass? Can I, can I do more? Like if he's breaking into my house, I'm literally thinking, protect myself, protect my family. I'm in, I feel that, that my life is put, it's been threatened. So I'm going to go in with everything I have to make sure my family's protected. But then you start thinking, like, fuck, I can go to jail. If I whoop this guy's ass extremely beyond like, you know, over the top, but he broke into my house and he put my life, my, my family's life in jeopardy. And I'll still go to jail for that. So I, I get where all this like second doubting is coming from, but fuck man, fuck around and find out. No, see, that's, not so. a that's, not out a that's not Put a threat. That's not a threat. That's not a threat. Put it out there. For no, boy, I feel like too many fucking people already know where I live. We're gonna move. We're gonna move. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I. will ask you what you need. A, you know what you need? Uh, you need a drone launching from your treehouse. Dude, you need. I need. I need a fucking sniper, sniper. in my treehouse, bro. But that's just usually get those, like little paintballs. <laughs> just hanging out. At what point is it just like? an annoyance or a nuisance to harassment. People coming to your house, ringing the doorbell and asking you shit. Like at what point can I tell them like, duh, like stop, I don't want you coming here anymore. Or if somebody's talking shit from the other side of the fence, is that something I can say, yo bro, I really, like my kids are here, like chill out. Yeah, go away. Yeah, and if they keep coming back, what can I do?
1: Call us. Yeah, let let us
0: help you out. Bitch, I'm a taxi, bro. I'm a taxi. There's a creep on the blog, and Let's I didn't
1: call us. And I'm gonna call it you. No, I'm generalize. gonna call
0: you, bro. I have your numbers. It says highest ranking Mexican in my phone, and I'm gonna text you. And be like, yo, somebody's here, and they're just, you know being weenies. What can I do? I'll be like, I'll be right there. Yeah, you would. Yeah. All the way from fucking Spring Valley or La Jolla, where do you live? It
1: might take. Carlsbad, but right there.
0: What? <laughs> but no, seriously. What? How do you feel about what we're trying to create here with Emo Brown and and? And everything that we're a part of, whether it's the foundation, whether it's our social group, I almost feel like we're creating a gang, like a gang for good, though. Like we're we're out there, like if there's a need and and we can help, we're about it. I'm gonna assume you, you are happy you're happy because you're you're a loyal member.
1: Yeah, I'm still here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, I think you guys. What what we right? I'm gonna include my. We. Go, ahead, got, go ahead. I got Steve in my pocket right mm-hmm. now. Oh, uh, as the foundation as a whole, what we're doing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. right? Giving back to the community. Um, Giving uh, you know hope to f- some kids who might not necessarily have it, or give them the little the little edge they need to to help succeed. You know whether it's uh, you know paying for somebody to go see that college that they want to go. That you talked to? Or that was awesome, right? Scholarship. Yeah, so, I mean it's all fantastic. Yeah, I mean you, you guys can't miss right now.
0: How much shit? Oh, we can. I assure you. How much shit do you get, if any? for being involved with what we do with Emo Brown, the social club, like as it relates to maybe a police perspective, because we do bring you on here and we do talk to you and ask you questions. And not every, I remember the first question, the first, uh, interaction we had actually what was a at the beginning of the pandemic around the george floyd uh situation in minnesota we had you on right um so we we do p- kind of hold you to task on things we 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 hit we hit you with some hard-hitting questions on occasion it's not all like your favorite donut stop you know your favorite strain of weed to smoke it's not always that sometimes we come at you do you get some pushback or some like hey man why do you go on there why do you get why are you even involved with what they're doing
1: no, I think in in the beginning, yeah. like when uh, when George Floyd and the protests were all uh, going, right? Like we were concerned that protests were coming to Chula Vista. Uh, so I think I don't think I got pushback, but people were like worried, like, hey, don't say the wrong thing. You know, you don't want to antagonize people or you don't want people to get the wrong impression. And I'm like, just like anything, right? Um, I I always come on here blind. I never want to be prepared. I don't know. I don't care what you guys are going to ask me. I don't want to know. So I... It just comes, you know, off the cuff. Um, I'm always here representing myself, not necessarily the department. Oh,
0: all of a sudden, all of a sudden. But uh, yeah,
1: no, I would. i say I've gotten any pushback, you know. If good. anything, I think it's uh, people. I've heard from a lot of officers. Uh, surprisingly, hey, I heard the podcast. I thought you did really good. That's fucking scary, right?
0: Because Caesar Torres talks a lot about doing illicit shit. That's all I have there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. man, Oceanside PD is well aware of Caesar's activities.
0: Oh man, Oceanside's got some crazy residents, man. I keep seeing a video that went viral about a former police officer or something that wilded out in a local establishment, like throwing racial slurs around. That is un-Chula like, you know. We don't, yes. we, we, we we don't condone that kind of activity. I haven't seen that. You should. Send I'll it send like it one. to you, send man. It. You probably know. Um, <laughs> 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 Thank you, Oios. Thank you for being a part of what we do. We'll continue to make sure we shine the bright light on the people in the community because you're a part of this, man. You're a part of this. There is no me or you. It's a we like we talked about earlier. The Emo Brown is all of us, man. And, and I keep putting a, a meme up on a quarterly basis to remind people. And it's a picture of a dude and different shades of his skin. It's like Emo Brown is all of us. And it's true, man. We've we've got the whitest, we've we've got some of the blandest people that you would never associate with us, and we have some like outlandish people on the other side of the spectrum. Like, how the fuck is this guy involved? And somehow it all works. We're all on the same on the same path, trying to just do good in our hood. And it's awesome to have you be a part of what we're doing. I'm
1: proud to be part of
0: it. Oh shit, dog! Lieutenant Oyos, a man amongst boys, a community leader, the highest-ranking Mexican in all of Chula Vista. Eat shit, Daryl Roberts. Thank you for coming in. We're big fans of you and everything you do, brother. I appreciate you having me see you. Absolutely, doggy. Mm -hmm.